HD Smartcast. You are listening to an HD Smartcast original. एक मिनट रुक जाओ रेडी होने दो चलो ये कर लेते हैं अक्षय हाई दिस इज सौरभ एंड यू आर लिस्निंग टू द फाउंडर थीसिस पॉडकास्ट We meet some of the most celebrated startup founders in the country, and we want to learn how to build a unicorn. I'm sure you've heard about Josh Talks, the popular video platform featuring motivational talks by some of the most inspiring people in India. The really amazing thing about the Josh Talks platform is its two very young founders, Shobhit Banga. and Supriya Paul they co-founded Josh Talks when they were still in the second year of graduation and today it's an honor for us to feature a conversation with Shobhit about his journey from being one of the youngest elite cyclists in the country to founding Josh Talks and discovering his true calling So Shobhit I believe you are a Himachali so what was that whole experience like growing up in Himachal and your father has played a big role in your life so tell me about that So I think growing up in a small town is a massive advantage to anyone trying to start up because you get this insight into a world that most people in a big city have not seen because the majority of the country is here this is what in some ways reality is and growing up in Mandi and Kullu was absolutely a phenomenal experience going to a small school you know we actually used to sit on the floor and study there were so many students in class that some had to sit outside the door so you know it's this slightly different from the rest of the country never speaking in english almost it being like a foreign language like french is right now to anyone i think uh, growing up in a small town is a massive advantage because of this insight that you get then uh, the other very big thing that happened in my childhood was my parents and their role in sort of pushing me to do insanely well and this my dad was it's almost like a rebel that you know he would push us to do things that were different that were not stereotypical so he also demanded excellence but it was not in marks per se so he was least bothered about ki kitne number aa rahe hain and this and that he was very bothered about ki hum pad kitna rahe hain but very less bothered about kitne number aa rahe hain you know hamare exams hote the and he would almost take us on a holiday before the exam so because we are very close to manali we'll drive down to manali one day before the exam and the next morning come back directly go to school from manali so you know this is there's no studying happening on the last day those kind of things not because he didn't believe in education but because he was a rebel like subconsciously i don't think he consciously accept ever that he's a rebel but i think subconsciously he is because he's always challenging the the norms there was this day that happened where i think i was in the 8th standard and my brother was in the 4th standard my mom was teaching my brother in the drawing room on the ground floor and my dad was teaching me physics i think sitting on the first floor in my house in kullu and uh, i think i think my brother was crying because he was not able to study and i was frustrated but dad was trying to teach me and you know we just talked he closed my dad closed the books is sitting on the bed and teaching i'm i'm walking around and he said shobit we're going to bangalore like and literally just like that the next day i went to school my brother went to school we gave our exams we came back our parents had come to pick us up sat in the car in our same school clothes we drove to delhi stayed at my grandparents that night took a flight the next morning went to bangalore i took admission in a school and we did not come back so uh, what happened in uh, bangalore then one of the reasons that justified this very aggressive move which was to get up from a city all of a sudden and just move which is completely unheard of generally is generally very planned move what made this justifiable even in our heads was that so i used to play tennis in kullu itself kullu has a lot of foreigners 
and I used to play tennis in Kullu. I just, it's sort of a make-do court. There's no academy, there's no coach, nothing. The balls are three months old balls. So, us type ki halat khelke. Uh, but I used to wake up every single day at four thirty in the morning and go to play by five. And my dad saw that you know I was quite driven to do this, and he said, okay, why don't we go to Bangalore and do this? We had also gone to Bangalore for a summer vacation few months ago because my dad has very very close friends there so we had seen that beautiful corporate environment that was sort of as compared to a very small town that sleeps by 8 p.m every single night and there's nothing to do apart from education um this was this massive city and we had seen some of it we had done some kind of you know that kind of culture was there so bangalore was the choice so so uh, going to Bangalore, we immediately started looking for tennis academies where I could play. I took an admission in a school, like I said, and I started going to school and playing tennis alongside. Uh, about a few, just a few months going to school, my dad said that, you know, you're playing a lot. You're playing much better than what you were playing. Why don't we just leave school completely and just do tennis full time? And just like that, I joined that school mid-year. I left that school mid-year and started playing tennis full time. Even my tennis coach was surprised and sort of, I think he wanted to say, Shobhari, you're not that good also. But he never said it. By no means was that move logical. You know, I wasn't that good at all. In fact, that was the case. And I started playing very, very aggressively. 6 a.m. in the morning till 6 p.m. in the evening. And also it was, tennis is relatively pretty expensive sport. So I knew that my parents had this pressure because living in Bangalore is very, very expensive. Earning in Imachal, living in Bangalore, not so fair on the pockets. Uh, and on top of playing, playing tennis, like all of a sudden, you almost spend no money in a month to... The running expenses are going away from savings. So I can imagine and I could see and I could sense there was a lot of pressure on my parents. So there was this, tennis was an incredibly hard phase. Pe- people say that quitting is easy. I think quitting is underrated. Absolutely underrated because quitting is very tough. It's very easy to continue. Uh, so I could just continue school. And similarly, when I left tennis, I could have just continue tennis. But to do something that is not the norm is much harder. So, so I tried very hard, gave it my life and everything. Luckily, I got injured and I was very happy that this happened because I don't think I would have made a very good tennis player. Actually, we decided that we had to give up tennis. This is about two, two and a half years into playing tennis. And my parents decided that since I'm not playing tennis, Bangalore is insanely expensive anyway. And for my dad, it was becoming very hard because he used to stay in Himachal, come to come down to Bangalore for a few days every month. So he said, why don't you come back closer to home, but still in the city. closest city to my hometown is Chandigarh and my parents shifted to Chandigarh. I also shifted with them. So this is after 10th had completed. Uh, so I, I had given my board exams through National Open School. The result had not come out yet, I still remember. And uh, this was about two and a half years into playing tennis. Then what next? So you decide to go to Chandigarh first. Right, so uh, coming to Chandigarh was also a pretty big decision, right? Because you you had just shifted to Bangalore about two and a half, three years ago and all of a sudden now you're shifting again. So, you know, I somewhere always felt that it was somewhere because of me that so many changes were happening and that wasn't really, really, really the case. So anyway, so we came to Chandigarh and I still wasn't going to school. Uh, so even in Chandigarh, I had started doing tennis training with this coach here because very tough to just give up something, you know, and to mentally accept that you've given it up. So I, I joined a coach in Chandigarh who said that, you know, there's a DAV school here. You're in your, you have to give you 11th and 12th somehow instead of NOS, why don't you give it through DAV school? So he said, you can take admission through tennis quota and you only need to go once a week and see how that goes. So I took admission in DAV. But of course, tennis wasn't going so well. As a part of my fitness training for tennis in Bangalore, one of the things I used to do was cycling. And uh, my cycling coach called me up and said that, Shobhi, there's this race happening in Bangalore. It is 
the longest cycling race that has ever happened in the country it is 300 kilometers you ride from bangalore beyond mysore to chamundi hills and all the way back and that's one race it's over 300 kilometers he basically said that shobhit i think you're made for it and you know i was sitting here frustrated and i was still young so you know i was just looking for an escape uh, to get out of wherever i was stuck and this was that escape so i thought you know what another mission i can go mad after this and forget about all the terrible things that i was thinking about so i i came to himachal with the bike that i had the race was about a month and a half two months in i had never trained for a race never done anything like it came to himachal and just climbed mountains on my bike every single day like a madman so we we went to bangalore for the race my dad came along with me um, as always I, i don't remember what position i came i think under 6ish i think but i'm not sure I ended up doing extremely well i was the youngest finisher of the race and it went really really well and i rode over 300 kilometers uh, when i had done a maximum of prob- probably 60 in training so it is an absolute mind blowing experience and and um, my dad and i stayed at my fitness trainer's house itself the, the cycling coach and he sort of said that hey shobhit you know there there are more races and this is another sport do you want to stay back and do this i said yes definitely i want to stay back and do then just like that i switched from tennis to cycling tennis to confusion to cycling okay so and this was again which class when you shifted to cycling somewhere around 11th ish then what next how did you pursue that cycling dream so in cycling there is two types of cycling uh, one is mountain bike and one is road cycling and i was a road cyclist now within road cyclist you could do something called endurance cycling which is basically long distance cycling and that's what i started doing because i had already started with that and my cycling coach was was also an endurance cyclist so one of the most respected cycling events in the world is called the Paris Brest Paris it happens once every 4 years it's a 1200 km race that goes from Paris to Brest and back to Paris and i started training for that and and that's that's one of one of the toughest things to do in cycling of course there is one tougher than that also which is called the race across america and these are the two things that i had in my mind this is what i had to do Tour de France is not endurance cycling. Tour Tour de France is about 150 to 200 kilometers per day, so that doesn't qualify for the uh, endurance cycling. So that was not the objective at this time, and I got into it very very aggressively uh, from day one. I started the qualifiers happen in India almost every year or every few years uh, for people to qualify for that race that happens once every four years. So I started qualifying. To qualify, you have to do these four races. You have to do a 200 kilometer within a certain time, a 300 kilometer within a certain time. a 400 km within a certain time and then a 600 km within a certain time so so you have to do four races to qualify for the main race in paris in every single of these i was obviously the youngest person doing them because nobody at 17 or 6 16 does endurance cycling it's just like not something that's recommended because uh, your body is just not ready for it but uh, but i did it anyway and in, and in india the rules were not so strict i actually won the 400 km race which was one of the most mind blowing experiences of my life the 600 happened about 1 year into into my cycling and you know nobody really like nobody cycles 6 600 kilometers for fun even lance armstrong has given this interview on when he tried to ride 600 kilometers what happened i think at 400 he left so you know that was another monster and i completed 600 kilometers in about 31 hours and a few minutes and it was non stop riding apart from a 7 minute sleep break i took in the middle Wow. Okay. 
how do you sleep just for 7 minutes <laughs> i mean how do you wake up after 7 minutes when you are so i think i think i think the firstly is so adrenaline is so high that it's very tough to sleep but uh, one of the trainings that we always did so my cycling coach made us do was just sit at home and just stay awake you're not allowed to sleep and he would make us do this for 18 hours at a time at least and a couple of times we even did 24 hours and 30 hours and and that is much tougher than to be on the road and not sleep so you know you already had this training of not sleeping the tougher part is to get to sleep fast enough which is what uh, you need to sort of train your mind for and and uh, the toughest time is 5 o'clock in the morning when the sun is just rising and your body is telling you to just shut down and and by that time you've already ridden for you started the previous day at 9 a.m. right so it's almost going to be 24 hours already so at 5 a.m. we knew my dad was again in the car behind me and we knew that we have to take this break and it i think i think that day changed me a lot because so much happened the, like a swarm of bees stung me in the middle while coming down from a flyover like some 30 bees was stuck in my jersey uh, and you couldn't stop because if you stop to take them out you lose 30 40 minutes this happened just a few minutes after starting my tire got punctured very very early on and everybody went ahead and i was the last one left and again very very early on in this race you're not allowed to take any support from your car so you have to do everything yourself so you have to put the goddamn puncture yourself you have to fill the tire again yourself so it takes a long long time in most cases your support car can actually support you in this the car can be there for medical emergencies but cannot support you and i remember that you know when you're doing 600 kilometers you don't even want to do one extra kilometer and i remember i actually did 618 kilometers the 18 extra was because i went 9 kilometers into into the wrong way so after reaching the point i took some wrong turn went 9 kilometers the wrong way and you know when you're doing 600 kilometers and you do even 100 meters wrong you want to stab someone we had gone wrong then the car started honking from behind i realized that you know uh, the the pit stop should have come 9 kilometers ago it's not coming you're getting frustrated you're you're waiting for that halfway mark right so desperately and it just wasn't coming so so we took a u turn we finally reached the right spot i got i, I got on from a bike and the support car can meet you there matter i started shouting and you know i'm i'm screaming and and telling my dad that i'm not doing this and so he just slapped me across my face gave me a tight one you know i'm 318 kilometers into ride a bike non stop and he gets me slapped me across my face i just become quiet i sit back on my bike and you know the second 300 were much easier than the first you know because all of a sudden you've calmed down you've realized that so i don't know i don't know what happened but i think i think that was monumental Uh, how many people do a 600 kilometer endurance cycling in india like how many would have done this so i think about 40 people started that race i think about 20 would have finished well if this is like super elite level like maybe point, 0.001% of cyclists would have ever actually completed something like this i am guessing in general oh yeah yeah absolutely absolutely you need to be in a very different mental frame of mind Uh, you know because it's like it's almost you don't even want to drive to chennai let alone drive to chennai and come back and let alone cycle to chennai and come back talking i think i realized so many things that like for example the mind is completely alive you know its job is to keep you alive not to make you achieve things so you so as soon as you're conscious of that you know you don't like it anymore and you're always saying whatever the mind tells you is a goddamn lie because it its agenda is not your agenda its agenda is to keep you alive your agenda is to win it's agenda is to life so it's telling you don't do this so so i think i think one of the things that is a very significant learning is don't don't listen to the mind it's a, it's it's not your best friend because it has its own agenda it's like a political party you know you never know what's the reality so that thought just stayed in that you know you can completely manipulate your mind 
uh, and make it do anything and make anything achievable and actually 600 kilometers is not tough at all as soon as you get through the mental block because physically can you ride a cycle non-stop for let's say so you don't need to do it in 30 hours right you can aim to do it in 40 hours so can you ride a bike non-stop for 40 hours oh absolutely you can can you walk non-stop for 40 hours of course you can i think that was one of the incredible learnings from that day and from that time so how old were you when you finished this 600 so i was 17 i remember this very very clearly because i was 17 and this was the fourth and the final race to qualify for the paris press paris which was sort of like the hall of fame the gold since one year and and the terrible thing that happened was that so when i rode to paris press paris so paris press paris may i sort of had qualified right so but paris press paris sort of got in touch saying that you are under 18 and you can't participate um, because you are under 18 and the race was happening that year and it was true i was under 18 but in india they allowed me to participate in the qualifiers anyway but these paris guys were super strict and i was not allowed to compete in the race and i think that was one of the biggest like even more than leaving tennis uh, and to give up on tennis this was the toughest hit that you know it was all meaningless uh, at that time at least it felt that itna kuch kiya qualify kiya and ab ye log aane nahi de rahe kyunki i'm underage and that's like a terrible thing to sort of think and i had to wait 4 years then up to participate i ended up right writing to some of the best endurance cyclists in the world marco bolo was one of the guys i still remember and he said absolutely not absolutely not uh, he absolutely rejected the idea of me doing an endurance 1200 kilometer race and i had to for the race across america which is even tougher which is which uh, i think there was a sports magazine that called it the the toughest sporting event in the world is the race across america for which i also tried to qualify for but i wasn't able to qualify for that that was another crazy experience so basically when i qualified for the 600 kilometers the next day i got a call from vivek radhakrishnan who was building india's first professional cycling team now this was an endurance cycling uh, but this was more like the tour de france kind of cycling which is short relatively short so not 6 600 more like 150ish kilometers 120ish kilometers but super fast much faster than what i was used to doing and what endurance cycling was and he sort of called me and said hey do you want to be a part of this team that we're building and i was like you know like of course like that sounds crazy if there's anything happening in cycling in india i would credit to vivek and his obsessive madness with uh, anything he sort of chooses to pick up to do and i think he became sort of like my brevia for for sort of the next few months only actually sadly about a year and a half ish and i started riding for what is then called kinkini cycling team eventually the sponsor specialized kinkini cycling team um, and yeah with with that team i went i think to thailand singapore and raced across india and it was a fantastic fantastic time as i was sort of also growing up right that that very significant of like 15 to 18 was happening uh, where i was realizing that like like what is meaningful where does my sense of purpose really like where do i get a sense of purpose from and you know obviously those answers are not clear but like for example a lot of the things that troubled me at the back of my mind was one of one of my teammates used to work at a cycle shop he would ride with me in the morning uh, most elite cycling teams that india had seen yet and then right after training he would go back to his shop to work there for 7500 rupees salary or something like that you know and i just saw that you know this guy has potential he could go out there and be anyone do any do anything and somehow because the way our world currently functions there is no way for him to unlock that talent and potential that he has within him so it should sort of be the government's job or let's say the ecosystem's job to 
build an efficient system to unlock somebody's potential like it's not petroleum's job to make a damn good efficient car to go very very high speed uh, it's a human's job to make a car that is very efficient at utilizing petroleum to move from place a to place b and and similarly for a person who's let's say raw material basically it should be the ecosystem's job to create an environment which is very conducive to so efficiency of utilization of human potential has to be higher like it is absolutely disgustingly terrible right now and that's sort of connected to me being from a small town and everything else that i'd seen here so all my friends what were they doing because now you're 18 you're connected on facebook with some of them and you see that you know i came to bangalore and the world and life changed for me and i've sort of seen things and i know where i want to go and i have these dreams and ambitions but a lot of my friends were running kirana stores like that made absolutely no sense that that how could a guy who was much better in education much better in studies than me is doing relatively nothing as compared to the potential that he had in him and not by choice if somebody by choice was doing that fantastic no problem you know but not by choice so so this there was a very very high degree of frustration so even in bangalore i had actually started this ngo uh, with two of my very very close friends uh, called such such the hindi wala such you know there was this lie that i basically felt there was in the way we all lived our life you know there is this massive lie and therefore we just called that ngo such like the reality the truth and we just went to orphanages across bangalore and i believe the early building days of josh uh, where we went to orphanages across bangalore and we basically uh, exposed people to various different things by showing them movies and things like that uh, so so different movies that had fantastic messages we showed them those movies i also had this uncle in bangalore uh, my dad's friend who i really looked up to and learned a lot from who's basically outlook towards life was also something that got ingrained in my personality which was to if you have potential you must strive to achieve more and more and more until you find the limitation of your own abilities you just have to go that far you have to touch that mark and you have to push and push and push and um, and that was the, and that sort of uh, built the early days of josh uh, when these issues started started happening and i started feeling this very strong itch in me to do something more more than more than cycling and and none of it was a very strong thought at that time right it wasn't something i could look back and say i i drew a line ki yahan se yahan jana hai it was just uh, some kind of a niche that was asking for something different uh, that i basically got up one morning at 4 in the morning but i got ready almost packed my bags went to the airport and took a flight to delhi uh, so yeah that's what happened so you decided to go back to delhi and do what so at that time it wasn't really clear one thing was clear that uh, 12th had ended and everybody was joining colleges so that sort of seemed like the thing to do and i was sort of roaming around aimlessly so uh, when i came back to delhi the one thing i knew how to do was run an ngo you know and not really an ngo in the sense that raise money and all that but do things first thing i did was come here and start another ngo called half class full where again the goal was go, go to orphanages and talk to the kids there about the world and the possibilities through content and through activities and apart from that i started uh, writing into colleges to to sort of study there so i so i tried to get into the conventional delhi university colleges but none of them accepted cycling as a sport so i was like you know what screw that and there was so lancaster university had recently started an offshore campus in india in partnership with gd goenka so I went there i had a bunch of offer letters etc i walked into the college i went to the dean's office to to the admissions heads office i showed them the offer, offer letters uh he he offered me a fantastic scholarship uh for the first year and sort of that was it and i started going to gd goenka 
I knew I wouldn't go to college, so I told him that pretty early on that I'm I I don't think I'll I'm going to be coming much. Uh, if that's okay with you, I'll join. And that's what happened. I I joined college here, and I I was running half class full on the side. Like I was running half class full fully and going to college on the side actually. That's how it was. So, uh, did you also uh, like understand how to raise funds for an NGO and all that at that time? So you know, I think I think another thing that I learned sort of from my parents was that, and, and especially from my dad about how he managed money was that you know money is really like meaningless. Like I think I truly understood what it means to for something to be just a means to an end, you know, not the thing in itself. Uh, so money was never ever at all a question in my mind. Did did I want to do well? I was very clear I needed to do very very well in life, uh, but it wasn't that. You know, I have to run after money or anything like that. So even when we were running half class, I was very focused on what we are doing. And this output will come. Then, where do I get the money to do this? Sort of this belief was there that if I'm doing something meaningful, I'll find the money. And that's what half class full was. But I always knew that half class full, because of an NGO structure, because of various things like that, may not be the answer to to everything. But I but I was learning a lot. I was facing a lot of my insecurities, like talking to people. I used to stammer a lot in my childhood. All of that was uh, getting sorted. So I was like, okay, this is a fantastic use of my time. And college was a great distraction also because um, I had joined some fun courses like statistics, etc., that I really liked. And I had gone to a college where uh, only a four percent didn't get admission in any in any college in De- Delhi University. They joined that college. So what ended up happening is that. Uh, even academically i ended up being one of the best in that college and that gave me ins- insane confidence you know i'd never been the best till now in my ju- academics in my school i was never the best in tennis i was never the best in in cycling i was never the best in cycling was great but i was definitely not the best in that team that i was in um as probably the last in the team that i was in in the professional team where i joined uh, so this it it is a fantastic feeling to be winning for a change and when did you meet supriya was it during college or uh, after that Yeah, so I met Supriya in the second year of my college. I met her through a mutual friend who had joined my college in the second year. So he became a batchmate. He had transferred from uh, University of Toronto, and he came to my university. And it was his birthday, and Supriya was his school friend who was also part of that birthday party. Supriya and I. So I was like this weird kid who didn't know anybody at the party, and Supriya was the only one nice enough to come and talk to me. And and we started talking, and I found out that so Supriya was this genius kid who was a topper uh, throughout. Anything she did, she had to win. Speaks about getting that from her dad and her mom also um, about her nurturing. And we spoke about that on the very first day of our meeting. Uh, you know, it is probably the most awkward first conversation ever. Uh, but we were both talking about our families and how that led to us being who we are and our ability. and our own relative unlocking of potential uh, the unlocking of our potential relative to others was higher because of the nurturing we received and you know nurturing we received by chance and that is disgusting because you can now do that by design because of the internet and because of the mobile phone that every person has and this is the conversation and this led to josh so after my first year in the summer vacations i had joined the harvard summer school so i took admission to the harvard summer school and went to harvard Uh, which is the first time i was really traveling abroad i i had gone to some place in southeast asia but that's not really like going to the us that was my first trip to the us first trip to a place like howard and i think that was another thing like the 600 km race which totally totally you know redefined some some other things in my life like for example the what is the benchmark of excellence like what does it mean excellent you know it's where i learned uh, what it's like to be in a room where matlab aapki oukat hi nahi hai kisi bhi bande se baat karne ki 
मतलब आई कुडेंट होल्ड अ वन मिनट कॉन्वर्सेशन विद सम पीपल हु एक्चुअली स्टडीड इन हार्वर्ड यू नो इट वाज जस्ट लाइक आई वाज हैविंग ब्रेकफास्ट विद विद अ गाय हु वेंट ऑन टू स्विम फॉर द यूएस ओलंपिक टू एंड वाज ट्रेनिंग एट दैट टाइम फॉर इट एंड यू नो सो आई मेट दोस काइंड ऑफ पीपल एंड इट वाज जस्ट दिस एक बंदे की औकात होती क्या है वो कर क्या क्या सकता है नन ऑफ दीस गाइस वर स्पेशल यू नो दे वर नॉट वेरी मच डिफरेंट फ्रॉम दैट गाय हु आई यूज्ड टू साइकिल विद इन टर्म्स ऑफ you know let's say raw potential but the nurturing of the potential that this group in harvard had received was probably one of the best of course you have to work hard and things like that right and and not not discounting any of the things that people had done to actually get there but i think a lot of the things that happened to them were by luck a lot of the things that happened to me were by luck like being born into a certain kind of family i did nothing to earn this again my belief got stronger and stronger that you shouldn't have to be lucky to do well you know it's like it's if we had pet- petrol and we were wasting it that's a goddamn loss so why don't we think of human capital like that if we want to be so wise about spending our money the most valuable resource the world has is human resource is human capital so why are we not using this efficiently and who is taking accountability and responsibility in this world for efficiency of utilization of human capital you know at the end of the day forget about personal victories what about the victory of the human race as a whole who sort of taking accountability of that and with that thought i sort of came back to india and uh, started talking to people about this obsession that i had of why are people not doing enough and i met supriya who came from a completely different background from mine but was also talking about the same thing and she she really liked the idea and 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 another friend of mine as well and um and yeah we started josh very soon after that so uh, uh, tell me about that journey like how did you start josh and what was the initial plan and how did it evolve so 13 end is when we had started talking about josh 14 is when we had unofficially started josh i was in my second year supriya was in a, in the third year of her, her college and uh, after that conversation i think 3 months in josh had started um at least inofficially you know the conversations were there we had started working towards it like as soon as you start your company you become an entrepreneur right you're not a successful entrepreneur but nobody knows that yet you know you are you are you are an entrepreneur and all of a sudden you become cool you start getting invited to uh, speak at startup events and this and that that you know uh, so we started off with was organizing a conference where we called some of the people who had done fantastically well in their lives and we called youth who wanted to do well who had just wanted to meet the most of their potential we we sort of connected the two over that conference and people shared their stories and that's what happened in the first josh 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 talks and that was what josh talks was supposed to be the first conference went insanely well somebody from srcc got in touch with us and said that hey we we do a conference every single year why don't you take one day of that and let's do a josh talks so that was the second conference that led to the third and the fourth quickly started to go into bangalore and bombay and sort of, sort of all across the country and doing josh talks across and we started releasing some of these talks online now they were not doing well online but we anyway continue to release them now until now josh was basically making no money but was insanely loved so we clearly had something working in the product but just zero monetization uh, a few questions here before you uh, so you thought of it as like a ted talks like an indian version of ted talks when you started so we definitely love ted there's no doubt about that but you know i saw in india and there's this perception that ted is doing well in india whereas if you look at it ted is not doing well in india at all because the majority of the country cannot understand a ted talk as simple as that uh, an american guy talking about why the education system is bad you know or happiness is so far away from the realities of my friend who was working a 7500 rupee job after cycling it's just nowhere close 
but that format of ted was working let's say three years of amir khan totally transformed our country but you cannot meet three idiots 25 times a year and we need to do that you need to constantly redefine the narrative and you could not do that through making three idiots kind of movies because we were very actually open to looking at uh, cinema as the way to create a narrative so josh could have very well we actually had even registered a company called josh stories which was supposed to just make movies but that was that was also obscenely expensive uh, and we we are still these kids in college right who don't have money and have no experience and at a startup like however lenient your parents are you will probably get one shot to finally screw up your life um, so so we had to make it work and that's why we went out to the conference and youtube which was super low cost so at least we didn't burn money still uh, a conference would have still costed you some money no you would might have had to pay for a venue or whatever matlab the cost would still be there so so supriya had some money saved up because she used to teach students something like tuitions and i had i i sold my bike uh, to actually pay for that first conference and then we even took some money from our parents because we eventually did run out of our own money which the first time we got pretty easily luckily because of the privilege uh, that we came from uh, asking for one lakh was like theek hai bacche kuch kar rahe hain you know let's trust them give them one chance it's better than doing nothing uh, and it's sort of paid for us and also i had got a scholarship from my college so i didn't end up paying for my college as well so my, i think my dad was more than happy to sort of let me fly in some ways i think is how he saw it at that time uh, and similarly for supriya her dad was very very concerned ki bacche kar kya rahe hain doesn't make any sense uh, this is never going to work was kind of the vibe but of course you know they they would have had that vibe because what we were doing at that time did not work actually you know it was it was something else that worked and it was never supposed to become a company huh? so we had not set that we are going to start a startup so this was just this one conference that we did we did that conference it went insanely well both our parents were not going to come we hosted this at the airport auditorium and there was free admission no ticket no, no there were tickets there were tickets we were selling student tickets for 300 and adult tickets for 1200 i think it's fair to say we basically sold almost no tickets and we had to let everybody in for free i think i think we did a total of some 20000 rupees revenue and we spent 4 lakhs so it was it was pretty crazy but our parents attended it and and that was a crazy thing that Supriya's father said that he'll come for an hour or so, and my my dad was not even showing up. He's thinking that Shobhit is going to make a fool out of himself uh, in front of so many pe- people. And you know, you're doing the startup for first time ever, so you invite your family and your extended family and this and that. You know, so all your cousins are going to be there. So my dad was like, Shobhit is going to make a fool out of myself about his family and everything, and and nobody anyway trusts this Banga Parivar to do anything because they are obviously crazy people who shift cities and take their kids out of school. Um, so 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 my dad was like i'm not coming but i somehow forced him to come and i remember our parents had not really met yet but they were talking during the conference and they were like god damn this was something else and stayed throughout the entire time it, just one of the next srcc reached out to say that okay do a conference here we'll cover the entire cost of the conference apart from the shooting that you cover so we spent only 30000 so so we saw another way to do another conference for almost zero money and yeah so so that's what the first conference was like and how did you get the guests who were the guests there like and how did you get them to agree because you were like two college kids with no credibility right so that's a pretty crazy story as well so basically we made pamphlets and we stood in markets and we tried to convince anybody that would talk to us ki hum kya karna cha rahe hain and and you know it would be really weird because so supriya would go to hoskas village generally and i would go to galeria market in gurgaon stand there with pamphlets i was a little bit awkward also uh, to talk to anybody else right 
but somehow we would explain that you know we're going to share stories of people that have done incredibly well in their lives and you know they're going to they're going to help you define your own aspirations and sort of help redefine what you think you can achieve and well obviously 90% people did not even care 10% who heard did not really understand and there was this always you know one or two people every day that would say okay fantastic this is great i'll come and then they would never reach back to you and you know pamphlet me of course there was a website to buy tickets but we would go to flara every single day and nobody would have bought tickets and i think it, at that time it was do attend do attend dot, dot com or something and nobody would have bought tickets so it was pretty crazy but eventually uh, you know we started reaching out we started going to every single startup conference that was happening and we started talking about joe stocks there very very aggressively and then i also met this amazing guy yogendra who runs wannapreneurs to entrepreneurs which is a startup community who said that okay let me also help you try and get some audience and yeah we started finding some audience here and there and i think a total of about 150 200 people would have attended that first conference in a hall of 670 people or so so one day before the conference we anyway have no money but supriya and i take this call to hire a tent wala to hide the rest of the seats you know so that we are able to create a fantastic experience and make the hall smaller basically it was a pretty gutsy call we basically had no money to pay that guy but we anyway did it uh, and it turned out fantastic nobody found out the hall was so big and every, everybody thought ki a packed hall it sold out show insane stuff and uh, we had been able to convince papa cj to speak at that conference i'll never forget it and you know i'll sort of owe him forever for that um, we are just these two young kids and he actually left the school reunion in sanar to come and speak at this joe stocks we barely ha- you know 200 people were speaking and he's used to doing thousands of people shows Uh, he's a comedian one of one of india's greatest comedians how did you get all the speakers uh, reach out to people one by one on email sometimes on running after them at conferences uh, papa cj was a fantastic story we reached out to so we knew we had to get someone famous and someone with a fantastic story and papa cj was to- totally fit that bill we had seen him on youtube a few times and supriya and i absolutely loved him so what we did is that we started going to the shows where he would speak we didn't have so much money so we didn't buy the tickets to the shows where he was performing but we would wait outside the auditoriums um, and there was this one time he was in gurgaon itself at cyber hub at the amphitheater there and he did a show and by chance that is helper had not come with him and what we did is that so he had to pick up the stuff and take that to the parking himself So Supriya took that chance and ran to him, picked up his stuff and said, "Hey, Papa, see, I'll carry this for you till the car." And it was the car was about five five hundred meters away at the parking of Cyber Hub, which is a little bit further. During that walk, sort of convinced him to speak at Josh. <laughs> wow! And then once you had one kind of like a flagship speaker, then that would have helped you get the other speakers. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think that was the game changer. Uh, but also apart from that you know i remember going to some startup conferences convincing some other speakers and people looked at this list and said you know what uh, this one guy actually said this i am a pretty well read person and i don't know anybody on this list so it was something like you know i'm not going to speak here or show up here you know something like that can really demotivate you <laughs> so it was obviously a fantastic experience to do all of these things so next two years then you do a bunch of more conferences without yet forming a company so how did it become from like a volunteer run conference thing to a business so i think that took insanely long and i think one of the reasons it took which i was trying to share in the beginning which i don't think i did a good job of sharing is that you know there there's this high of becoming an entrepreneur and of being in a startup and it's not just entrepreneurs fault what happens is that the ecosystem makes it to be like colleges will invite you and they don't care whether you've run a company for one month or for 10 years 
they put you on the same sort of pedestal um and i get that it's sort of the responsibility of the entrepreneur to sort of look at that and say this is noise this is not reality this is completely noise like you know you can lie to pr you can lie to invest you can lie to everybody but you can't lie to users and you can't lie to a model that works if it works it works if it doesn't work it doesn't work no amount of pr will will save it but it takes a lot of time to understand that and sort of that is what happened with us you know we sort of forget forgot about the mission and there was this high of doing these conferences we just did them one after the other one after the other kept uploading the talks and the talks were not doing well online like i remember posting everything on quora i was just recently on quora and i saw that i posted these talks in 2014 you know khud hi question likh ke khud hi answer likh ke khud hi upload karke and us pe aaj tak ek hi upload hai wo mere trying to do all those things but continuing to do the talks that were not working you know why didn't we see that it is not working why did it take us 2 years to figure that out and it sort of blinded us from the mission which was to unlock human potential which was the conversation which was true which was the conversation that supriya and i had 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 first time we met which was to try and use what happened to her and me by chance to do that by design for the rest of the world we forgot that we got lost in the high of running a startup and being an entrepreneur and you know doing conferences two years in we sort of had to answer a lot of those tough questions and we said that okay we're going to do this one mega show and we're going to see after that what happens if it doesn't work it doesn't work screw it and if it works we'll sort of continue and it wasn't really said in words but there was this feeling of it not working but somehow you've got this momentum and you don't want it to stop uh, so we went to our parents and we asked for money again and we said okay this is the last time if it doesn't work now uh, we'll do what the hell you say and both parents loved josh simply because the value it added to the world it wasn't doing well but the conferences people were crying like you know there was this time in in bombay we did the conference i still remember it called mondial world school and inside there were 500 people sitting and listening to these stories that india had not heard yet and there was this girl sheetal who was sharing a story uh, was from kamathipur about how her mom put her under the bed while she attended to customers uh, and slept with men uh, you know and the torture she went through in that and from that to becoming one of the best drummers in india she went to the us drum school got a scholarship there studied and came back and one of the best drummers in india like to hear those kind of stories and so our parents had complete faith they did give us the money and this time it was a lot of money i think it was a total of 30 lakhs uh, that we had and we literally put it into just one show we spent 26 lakhs 80000 rupees on one event which had 2 lakh rupees of revenue it's called josh talks leap we were able to super able to convince anurag kashyap to speak at that conference uh, by this time we had a lot of supporters one one of our biggest supporters was ritesh malik who had also invested in us um, in the very early days he gave us 9 lakhs he and a friend of his together invested 9 lakhs in josh and at that time it was a lot of money you know and that's that was the money that really took us all this time when we were basically doing no revenue trying really really hard to do revenue doing 50 60000 here and there in sponsorships um another friend of ours from jyotkia was uh, supported us uh, and gave us a couple of lakhs you know so at that time it's it it means a lot and uh, but but all of that was over and it wasn't working and he said we're going to do this one last show i don't know why you know right now i'm speaking much we're thinking like what an idiot like this is not working and i'm going to spend 30 lakhs doing it and but that it didn't seem so you know we spent 30 lakhs on one conference i think it was the biggest conference that has happened in india ever until that time we hired the thyagaraj stadium for it which was built for the commonwealth games usme bhi log khali lag rahe the because no 9000 seat seater hall tha aur usme 5000 log baithe hue the like we couldn't cover 4000 seats you know unlike in the first conference ever where we could cover 300 so yeah so we did that conference it was a mind blowing success again audience wise but not in any other way so financially it, it was a blunder we were a team of nine people by then after that conference we sort of got everybody together and we said we have no money to pay salaries anymore anybody wants they can stay 
and we're going to release these talks online because it's the job's not done until you do that. And we started releasing these talks online. I remember some people who stayed, some for much lesser salaries. And we started releasing these talks online. Two of my very close friends came in to help. These talks started doing well. The bang was about to be released and Babita Kumari had given a talk. That was the first talk I think that did well. At this conference, there was also Sonam Wangchuk. GSP3 did picture money. And then we had Anurag Krasha whose talk did well. Then we had, you know, so many big speakers say this. And if we do 5,000 people, then maybe big speakers don't come. For the first time ever, Joe Talks was doing well. And this is when the understanding started happening. It started after this disaster of this conference financially. We, we started questioning what we're doing and why we're doing it. And that is when, almost three years after random violence, Supriya and I reconnected with the reason why we had even started Josh, which was to unlock human potential and started diff- like connecting the dots. And we really said, what the hell are we doing? We have to be vernacular, otherwise this makes no sense. And that's when we first started focusing aggressively on Hindi in Devnagari. Otherwise, you can आप इंग्लिश में टाइटल लिख के हिंदी की टॉक डाल रहे हो दैट इज नॉट वर्नैकुलर वर्नैकुलर इज व्हेन द टेक्स्ट इज देवनागरी यू नो एंड दैट्स व्हाट वी स्टार्टेड डूइंग एंड दैट्स व्हेन जोश रियली हैपेंड सो या 2018 आई वुड से इज व्हेन ऑल ऑफ दैट हैपेंड व्हिच इज जस्ट 2 इयर्स अगो सो इफ आई से देयर वर 3 इयर्स ऑफ रैंडम वायलेंस एंड 3 इयर्स ऑफ वर्क एट जोश अंटिल नाउ व्हाट डू यू मीन व्हेन यू से द वीडियो वाज डूइंग वेल लाइक व्हाट हाउ मेनी व्यूज एंड बिफोर दैट हाउ मेनी व्यूज वर यू गेटिंग Like I actually recently found a screenshot of a website where there were 114 visitors right now. How Google Analytics shows you right now, uh, there were 114 on it, and I thought that was a massive deal. You know, I actually took a photo and put it on Facebook. But but what's doing well? So until that time, we used to do about 40,000 views a month. You know, and I used to actually tell people, you know, we do 40,000 views a month. You know, it's a really big deal. But obviously, I knew that it wasn't a big deal. But Bita Kumari's video did one lakh views uh, in a very very short span of time. and that was like fantastically well i remember when we reached 50000 subscribers on the channel which was i think in 2018 in 2018 we reached 50000 subscribers we actually cut a cake and make a made a big deal out of it uh, looking back it must have been so embarrassing our sub- subscribers to kisi ke bhi hote hain yaar after running something for 3 or 4 years you are still celebrating i don't know why somebody didn't tell us or demotivate us saying that you all are idiots stop doing what you're doing um a few people did say that but you know you never sort of sort of sort of took that into heat so yeah that's what it was so uh, now your videos start doing well on youtube how did that become a business i mean did it become a business through the ad revenue on youtube or what like you know how did uh, it become monetizable yeah, so, so once we knew that the talks are doing well online we knew that we can build something out of this uh so youtube revenue was never enough it still today is not enough also to build a real business out of so if a single person is running a youtube channel like it's a single person company or two three people company then you can make money out of youtube otherwise youtube will you cannot even survive on youtube let alone make money from it at least in india uh, because of the low revenue per view what we started doing at that time is finding partnerships with organizations Uh, making partnerships with organizations, something like brand partnership, it was very very hard to do this. Um, but when we were raising money for Leap, we had reached out to Facebook to work with them. And Facebook had this agenda of promoting entrepreneurship in the country, uh, getting people jobs, and making us a job, make making job creators. Um, and we fit very well into that. We were also this young startup hustling. Um, and so after Leap. For 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 Leap, they were not able to support. But after Leap, they asked us if we can go across the country and do conferences, very much like the Joe Talks conferences, and promote entrepreneurship in the country. And we and we started doing that. And 
that's how we started doing our first revenue doing our first brand partnership so facebook was our first brand partnership and from there it went on to a lot of other work uh, the facebook work increasing and us meeting a lot of other organizations and continuously increasing that work. so i think that's when it b- became a real business so give me more examples of brand partnerships facebook so i understand they have a certain agenda and so they give you money to achieve that agenda what what was the use case for other brands to work with you so i think we we worked with benetton where benetton also had a similar agenda where they were saying that uh, equality uh, between genders um, and we had a lot of stories that depicted this so they wanted us to do a couple of conferences and share a lot of stories we did that benetton was also one of the early early ones and at that time your costs are so low right that even just these two partnerships got us through then uh, came itc where itc also had women related campaign they wanted to do which was about not compromising uh, so we had partnerships with these colleges across the country uh, we probably still have one of the highest distribution within colleges uh, in terms of partnerships so oh, almost i think about 1000 to 2000 colleges now and they wanted to reach colleges and talk about these stories and talk about women rights and equality and we started doing that with itc and Uh, then uh, other brands kept on coming with similar requirements and we worked with them so 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 we work a lot with swiggy now we 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 work google now and things like that oh, what is uh, the benefit for swiggy like what are they getting out of it or what is google getting out of it with swiggy what we are doing so so one of the toughest things for swiggy is to recruit their their delivery executives because that is one of the highest cost for them in their operations and our target audience is literally so we started helping swiggy hire this is a part of a joe's jobs vertical that we had started and similarly for google google is launching google jobs and we are supporting google to promote that and to build awareness for that so none of this is ad revenue we did a lot of work with un as well un wanted wanted the youth to talk about poverty and wanted to create a narrative and we did that with UNDP we also worked with UN women and ILO and a bunch of other UN agencies and all of our brand partnerships is with organizations or departments within those organizations that have alignment in the work that we are doing or in the mission that we have okay so if i was to summarize your sources of revenue uh, one source of revenue for you is youtube advertising which you said is a small percentage of contribution from there uh, the other source of revenue for you is uh, like a sponsored event uh, like what you did with benetton for example uh, or for facebook uh, the third source of revenue is where you are uh, doing some sort of branded content to generate leads like what you're doing with swiggy and google right or also any kind of data collection so any kind of branded partnership on any kind of program that may be online or offline so it's not necessarily branded content only uh, so yeah all kind of brand partnerships how do you collect data then i mean uh... so so we we have over um, i think about i think we do over about 70 80 million views a month now um, so that's a very large data set to collect any kind of data from how how do those views translate into uh, leads for swiggy and google so so in a lot of our campaigns there's a comment with a link there and people can go onto that link fill in the information and that leads to any traditional way that any data data is collected similar to that yeah so, so because josh is suggesting something it comes with a certain degree of trust and reliability of information which is basically what uh, for example 
Swiggy gets from us. So uh, in a way, this uh, I think is called uh, native advertising. Right, in some ways, some ways, yes. I mean, it's not aggressively like what native advertising traditionally is, but something like that. A fourth source of revenue is your skills, which is uh, what the focus of the organization is right now, and something we're building out. Uh, tell me more about your skills. So here was the thought, right? So uh, unlock human potential happens how? Uh, so if you look at the life of someone, let's say somebody who went to Harvard and somebody with the potential to go to Harvard, but could not go to Harvard, right? Ended up becoming, so let's say somebody was born to a security card. When he turned 25 and, and, and when the guy who was born to a different family turned 25, the output was completely different because of the nurturing that, that happened. And we started looking at what are the things that made it different? So security guard let's say in the first 25 years and one of the massive differences was access to role models uh, which happened through Joe talks which is what Joe talks as a product solved for India it wasn't inspiring talks it was to give rural youth access to role models the second thing that one of the other very big differences something that for example I got because of my dad and my mom and my family uh, and my ecosystem that, for example, my friend who was a cyclist who had the same problem, much more potential than me, but did not get was access to learning certain kind of things that put me in a very unfair advantage to do well in life. So, for example, I could speak in English fluently because my mom forced me to read and my dad forced me to meet me to read and to talk in English um, and, and because my mom knew English already. But then I learned how to use the computer because my dad was always very enterprising about the internet and about the computer and he showed me the computer when we first bought it and because he was a doctor, he had it in his clinic, you know, because that's how they made reports. So I used to go to his office and use it there uh, and somehow, you know, make the format for his report. So I had used probably Microsoft Word before anybody was using Microsoft Word. Now these are massive unfair advantages that are so easy to replicate and even today a security guard son doesn't know how to use Excel. It is disgusting that we have made no progress in 20 years. The objective behind your skills was that what are the things that, for example, I learned in my life that are intangible, that are not hardcore education. They are not trigonometry taught because of education system in a school, but they're intangible that I learned because of my ecosystem. Those can be replicated and teach to people through the medium of the mobile phone. And your skills is simply an app where you can learn a lot of these skills and you can learn them at extremely low prices something around the price of uh, a mobile phone recharge so around two three hundred rupees and you can learn all these what are some of the skills so there are some skills platforms that are hardcore scaling platforms we don't want to become that uh, we just want to remain to things that are probably even intangible and something that other hardcore large skill platforms may not even consider worthy of getting into simply because very tough to make money from them so some things are obvious here like english and computers then comes financial literacy interview tips and things like that because so much content is available in internet very tough to make money from it nobody's aggressively focusing on it the information is all over the place and and doesn't give high quality information like for example what you and i probably receive because of our ecosystem how to make a cv so leadership lessons from the bhagavad gita is something that my grandmother taught me um, how to talk to anyone right so how to have confidence in speaking and how to how to not be shy and things like that very very intangible skills that others may not consider worth doing because you can't make money from them and we are looking at aggressively growing uh, talks the talks business we are now in 11 countries eight countries going to 11 countries with the talks product so talks product is essentially sponsored events 
stocks is youtube uh joe stocks the videos that go up online yeah we take we're taking these two countries across the world mainly there are three sources right one is uh let's say branded partnerships so we don't do any kind of hardcore sponsorships so everything is a brand partnership so it's not exactly like a sponsorship then is youtube and then is skills if we leave skills aside uh we do almost 90% from brand partnerships and 10% from from youtube and skills is very very new and what is the traction been for skills so far do you see it becoming like a like you know a multi million dollar kind of a business uh, given the low ticket size of it absolutely but i think one of the reasons that others are not doing low ticket sizes is because it's very tough to run a business on 300 rupees per transaction you know where the lifetime value is let's say under 1000 rupees incredibly hard to cover even customer acquisition prices in that the goal is not to become a billion dollar business the goal is to unlock human potential so um, we may have to become for that reason uh, and it may be something that happens on the path we see this becoming extremely large yes can this do multi multi million dollar revenue yes is it on the path to do so probably i can't say for sure right now but uh, what we are very very focused on is looking at a person who can do drastically better in his life but is not doing because he doesn't know how to speak in english doesn't know computers is financially illiterate and has no values and principles that are required to do well okay and uh, how are the roles split between you and supriya like what do you look after and what does she look after so it depends time to time they keep on changing with whatever is the most urgent thing um, so if you look at right now Supriya mostly does uh, all the revenue and I mostly do all the execution of the talks some words of wisdom for our young listeners so here is the case right most people start a company and that's fantastic thing to do but it has to be started according to me because of a mission you have to have a mission a wrong that you want to right because unless you want that it is incredibly hard to win incredibly hard to be successful because it is so tough this path we only hear of the 1 in 10 stories or actually 1 in 50 stories that makes it those 49 other stories are just lost opportunities they can also win one of the reason that i believe it's 1 in 50 or 1 in 10 or 100 whatever that one out of is is because that one guy worked really really hard and somehow his business made sense for the others they could have also sustained and figured it out over time but to do that uh, there's an elon musk interview and he explains it as you know it's like you're eating nails you put nails into your mouth and now you're chewing them you're eating the nails it pains that much so unless you have a mission a right a wrong that you want to write a sense of purpose behind what you're doing you will stop chewing them you need to get through that phase of that extreme pain and continuous pivoting most people will not get through that and money is not at all the reason for failure money is not at all the reason there just wasn't enough reason to continue uh, you can't have that so do not get up and start up like go explore find a wrong that you have to right uh, find a problem with the world that you can't sleep because of something like find something that you can be loyal to more than your own company i actually say this you know that my loyalty is not to josh my loyalty is to unlocking your potential first to unlocking human potential um and and not not is there's no long term there's no power in that content it's just it's just so loose and lousy um so 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 if you have to get through those insanely hard days like 
like you know like if like people care so much about elon musk but they don't care so much about the fact that all he cares about is to make humans a multiplanetary species that that's it like every way for him to decide what to do is will this speed up my goal or slow down my goal so so where the hell is your mission and find that mission so that was the fascinating journey of showbiz from the village of mandi to the stage of josh talks do check out some of the most inspiring indian stories on the josh talks youtube channel or download the josh talks skills app if you like the founder thesis podcast then do check out our other shows on subjects like marketing technology career advice books and drama visit the podium.in that is t h e p o d i u m . i n for a complete list of all our shows this was an hd smartcast original hd smartcast log on to hdsmartcast.com to listen to more such podcasts